in this episode of Pastor Brad Rocks. All right, man, here we go. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus is having his final conversation with his disciples before he ascends back into heaven. And in that conversation, he says to them, the Holy Spirit's coming. And when you receive him, you're going to receive power. And you're going to receive this power so you can be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, which is where they're standing when he says this to them. And then into Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that goes right on down to today for followers of Jesus. We have his Holy Spirit living in us so that we can be his witnesses. And so I'm excited today to be a witness for Jesus. I'll share a little bit of my testimony today of how God called me out of darkness and into the light, specifically how he called me out of the hell hole and into his grace. I am so excited to share this with you as I share my song out of the hell hole with you from my 2004 release called out of the hellhole. It's going to be awesome. It's going to rock you up. I can't wait to share it with you. I'm glad you're here. You ready? Let's do it. Pastor Brad here, your 80s heavy metal headbanging, Jesus-loving online pastor. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Pastor Brad Rocks podcast. Hey, wherever you happen to be listening to this episode, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. If you're enjoying these podcasts, whatever platform you happen to be on, if you can leave a thumbs up or a comment or share this episode with a friend, that would be awesome to help the audience grow. God bless you, man. Thank you in advance so much for that. And now... Let's move on to the point of today's podcast. Every Christian has a called out story. That's your testimony, right? Some are more quote unquote dramatic than others, but we all had a moment in time when we had to make a decision. Yep, this is for real. Yes, I am a follower of Jesus. Yes, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. I am following Jesus, right? Because you felt the tug of his spirit saying, come on, come on out of that old life and step into this new one and follow me. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus makes a very simple, very clear, very powerful statement. He says, I will build my church. Now I want to drill down into that for just a second because every single word of that statement is powerful. It starts with I. Okay, who builds the church? Jesus builds the church. Okay, so he says, I will do this. And then he says, I will. He doesn't say I might. There's a good chance that I'll, I'll do it. Some days, maybe not others. No, 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 no. It's a very definitive, clear statement. I will do this. I will build my church. I will build. Okay. You know, as a preacher, I get caught up in thinking I'm the one who's supposed to build the church sometimes. I do. I think, man, if I can just get the right program, if I could just get publicity down, if I can just get people to do the right thing, all that stupid stuff that your flesh comes up with, I think, okay, then we can build this church. And absolutely, we are called to serve Christ and lift him up and preach. And, and, and we want to be on our knees in prayer. And, and when he gives us inspiration for, for great uh, ideas, we want to we put those into action. we got to remember, it's his church. And if there's any growth that's going to happen, it's because his spirit is convicting hearts and bringing people to faith. And he's the one who's going to build his church. Sometimes we look around at the world and we go, oh, no, things are falling apart. What's going to happen to the church? Don't worry about that. 
That's not your job. It's his church. He's always had a church in the roughest of times in history, and he'll always have a church because it's his church, and he will build it, right? So I will build my, it is his, I will build my church, and then he says, I will build my church church. That last word is a real important word. Because we've turned it into kind of an English word, we don't really always think about the meaning of it. When we hear church, we get pictures or images in our mind of a building or a religious organization or whatever. And, and that's not what he said. The word church is kind of a compound Greek word, ekklesia. And the prefix ek means out. It's kind of where we get our word exit, ek, to be called out. And that last phrase refers to an assembly or a community of people. So when you put ecclesia together, you get a called out assembly, a called out community. So Jesus says, I am going to build a community of people by calling them out of their old life and into a new life of following me. They're going to be disciples. They're going to be people who say, yep, I have a BC life, and then I have a moment in time when I heard the Spirit's call. I heard the gospel, and he called me to come out of my old life and into a new life as a follower of his. In John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, we have an awesome example of Jesus calling a person out of their old life and into a new one. You may know it as the, the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery. Listen to this. This is awesome. At dawn, he, Jesus, appeared again in the temple. Okay, so he's getting up early to do some teaching on this day, okay? So at dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all of the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in the act of adultery or caught in adultery. And when the when the Pharisees and the teachers of the law walk into the temple courts, you gotta understand, they didn't just somber in quietly. These guys, they didn't know how to do that. They made an entrance, I'm sure. I mean, it's just their vibe, right? They got their noses in the air, they got their full garb regalia on, and they're walking in with their, uh, you know, their attitude of pride on, and they're, they've got this woman in tow, and, and they've caught her in adultery, and they're gonna make a statement here. They made her, look at, look at, this, look at this language, man, this is so harsh. They made her stand before the group and they said to Jesus, and this is a public spectacle all on purpose, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the law of Moses, which is, you got to remember in the gospels, Jesus hasn't died yet. We're under the law. We're under the old covenant. So, so they say in the law, Moses commands us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? Okay, you, know, you gotta, we gotta read that with a Pharisee voice. And John tells us they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. They were hoping he'd say something that they could find a technical theological glitch with and have a reason to, you know, nail him literally to the cross. I love Jesus's response. He doesn't, he doesn't get all emotional. When I get, when I get challenged like that in front of people. Sometimes I come out swinging, you know? It's just, it's like my reaction. It's how my flesh reacts. Uh, I gotta pray about that. But Jesus doesn't do that, man. He just very calmly bent down, John says, and he started writing on the ground with his finger. Now that is such an interesting phrase because the Greek behind the phrase writing on the ground um, implies the, the notion that he was writing a list against the people who had walked in and, and were, were making this big deal about this woman, um, that he was literally writing down the sins of the people in the crowd. 
very possibly anyway. We don't know that. John doesn't tell us that. But the, the language kind of implies that. And then verse 7, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, well, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. This is very interesting. He doesn't deny that the woman is guilty. He doesn't argue with them about whether she's innocent or guilty. He acknowledges, even though there's a lot of fishiness going on here. Um, scholars and Bible students forever have always said, dude, this is a setup because if it's adultery, where's the man? It takes two to have adultery. And under the law of Moses, both of them would be guilty of, of adultery and both of them would be subject to stoning. But they only bring the woman. So anyway, that that's a side issue, but uh, Jesus doesn't argue that point. He doesn't even debate that. He just acknowledges, okay, yeah, if she's done adultery, then stoning is what the law says. But he just he just goes a different route here, and I love it. He's beginning to usher in a new way of thinking. Jesus' whole life is about moving us from the old covenant perspective to the new covenant perspective, and he's doing it here. By the way, covenant and testament mean the same thing. An Old Testament way of thinking and a New Testament way of thinking. You who, who are without sin, you go ahead and throw the first stone. And then he stoops down again and he begins to write in the ground. Maybe more sins that he knew people in that crowd had committed. At this, those who heard him began to go away one at a time, the older ones first. I've always loved that phrase because you know what? When you've lived a little while, you, you kind of start to get some seasoning and you just start to understand, you know what, we're all broke. Uh, I had a friend named Bill Kern up in Michigan when we were serving a church up there. And he'd say to me sometimes, he'd say, Pastor, you know what, man, there's not a thimbleful worth of difference between the very best of us and the very worst of us in God's eyes. And he's pretty spot on. You know, we kind of compare ourselves to others. We might think in some instances, wow, I'm a little ahead of them or I'm a little better than them in this area or, or whatever. but. In the final analysis, in light of God's holiness, dude, we're all equally broke. So the older ones, they start to, to walk away, drop their stones, and say, oh, dude, uh, none of us is worthy of this. Until, John says, only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Now, I just feel like so sympathetic for this, this lady. She's probably not got a lot on. I mean, if she's literally caught in the act of adultery at, at, at dawn, they grabbed her, ripped her out of bed, and brought her there, and she's standing there half naked. And I mean, it's just, it's so shameful. But Jesus, as always, is treating her with dignity, like he did everyone. Jesus straightened up, and he asked the woman. Now, now get the picture, nobody's there anymore. It's just him and this woman. Jesus straightened up, and he asked her, Woman, where are they who condemn you? Now, catch that phrase. Where are they who condemn you? Okay, that's an important word. You know, Jesus taught us that we shouldn't judge lest we be judged. And there's a lot of talk in the world today where, where people, they don't like it when you are their brother's keeper. We're called to be our brother's keeper. We're called to admonish one another. We're called to hold one another accountable. But there's kind of this attitude in the world today when we try to hold one another accountable. Sometimes people cop an attitude and say, dude, you can't judge me just because we're, you know, trying to admonish and encourage. They're like, dude, you can't judge me. Jesus is judge or not. The fact is we make judgments all the time. We have to make judgments. I mean, if, if, if I were to smack that person in the face right when they said that, that would be wrong. And they would acknowledge that. They would say, dude, you, why'd you do that? That was wrong. That was a mean thing to do. And I'd say, wait a minute. 
you're making a judgment, aren't you? You're judging my action. You're saying what I did was wrong. See, it, when, when somebody kills somebody, you go, uh, dude, that's wrong. And the person doesn't turn around and go, you can't judge me. No, we have to call sin, sin. When Jesus said, judge not, lest ye be judged, he wasn't saying, just turn a blind eye to sin and, and, and just ignore it when people you love and know well just begin to walk down a path of destruction. He was saying, don't put yourself in the judgment seat. You're not the one who gets to decide who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. Only God can do that. And that's what he's saying in that phrase. In that phrase. Don't, don't, don't condemn people. Of course you want to hold people accountable and you want people to hold you accountable as fellow brothers and sisters in the church. And in our witness to those outside of Christ, we always lift up God's holy and righteous standards, not to make somebody feel judged by us, but so that they can understand that in God's holy sight, we're all broken and we all stand condemned. We all are broken and we all need a savior. And we share that in love because we need to see that reality so we can repent, turn to Christ and receive grace. Okay, let's end that rabbit trail and come back to John chapter 8 here, okay? So, so Jesus stands up and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she says, No one, sir. And then he says these beautiful words, Neither do I condemn you. Now listen, we all need to see ourselves standing in the place of this woman. Because in the New Testament, we are taught in Romans 3.23 that all, that includes us, all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. In other words, we've all broken the commands of God. We've all fallen short of his standards. And Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. So we all deserve death. So here we are reading a story about a woman who'd been caught in a, in a particular sin that the Old Testament law called for execution for that, that she deserved death for it. Well, you know what? Under the new covenant, he just expands it and helps us to understand that all of us deserve death, which in New Testament terms is separation from God and eternal destruction. But then Jesus says these awesome words. He says, I don't condemn you either. And then he calls her out. Okay. This is how we step into the ecclesia. We are called out of our old life and into a new one. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. This is the call, man. He says, not, not in a week, not in three days, not in five minutes. Now, right now. This is, this is a call to repentance. Turn away from your old life and step into a new one. Go and live for God. Go love him with your life, right? This is what it's all about. Every Christian has a go now and leave your life of sin testimony. You heard the gospel. You heard the truth about the cross and the Holy Spirit got involved and made you aware that you are broken and that you've fallen short and that you need a savior. And praise God, there is one. And you heard that call to step out of your old life and step into a new one, man. And you did. You were called out and into a new life. That's what makes you part of the church. Love it. Well, he called me, friends, out of the hellhole and into his grace. I grew up in Anderson, Indiana. Okay, let me tell you how to get to my hometown. If you're ever in Indianapolis, right smack dab in the middle of Indiana, there's 465, which is the loop around Indianapolis. If you get to the northeast corner, there's an interstate, I-69. It goes right out, out of Indianapolis to the, to the east, northeast, and it curves up. And about 45 minutes down that road, there's a little town called Anderson. That's where I grew up. And on 5th Street, 
in Anderson on the east side, David McFall. He played bass in our little band, and uh, he had a garage, and we were always looking for a place to, to practice, right? This garage was behind his house, and it had the garage and then a room on the back of it, and we called that room, we called that the hellhole. And we would go in there and we would just, we'd party our brains out. That's what we'd do. And then we'd, then we'd make a little noise with our instruments and call it rehearsal. It was a, just a crazy, crazy world back there. Anyway, when I gave my life to Christ, and then years later, he led me to write this album out of the hellhole. I got to thinking about those days and, and how all those days, and I love those guys, man. And, you know, I, I love those guys, and, and I hope that they all come to know Jesus. But years later, when I wrote this album, Out of the Hellhole, I got to thinking about my days back in that room that we called the Hellhole and how everything that happened back there in the Hellhole, the attitudes and the behaviors and the, the perspectives that we had at that time, is just so representative of my whole old life. And how that place was just a metaphor for my BC, my before Christ life. And God called me out of that. He called me out of the hellhole. Go and leave your life of sin, right? He called me out of that and into a brand new life in his grace. And that's what this song that I want to share with you called Out of the Hellhole is all about. And I want to set this up for you because it has a really kind of interesting uh, introduction Someday I'm going to work on the production of this and, and release a, a, an updated version of it uh, because you can't really hear the spoken words super well. But if you listen, it's my testimony. I talk about how that at this in this season of my life when I was about 20 years old, I was really hurting. I was under conviction. I knew my life was broken and a mess. And I had a grandmother who loved Jesus and loved me unconditionally, all my life, every time I would talk to her, even in the worst of my, you know, depravity, she would love me and hug me and 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 give me cookies and and she was just the awesome grandma. But she'd always, you know, she was so filled of love with, or she was so filled with love for Jesus, it came out in everything she said. She taught the scriptures, you know, two or three times a week in Bible studies, and so every every sentence she spoke was dripping with God's word. And so she would just talk to me about life and how good Jesus was. When I hit rock bottom, I turned to her, man, because I saw in her the kind of joy and strength and hope that I knew came from Jesus and that she had. And I knew she loved me. So important, friends. Never stop loving people. So I went to her and I poured my heart out. And she's the one who said, Braddy boy, you need to get out of Anderson. You need to leave this place and you need to get on a plane and fly out to Wichita, Kansas. I had family out there in ministry because you need to get away from all these influences that are around you because bad company corrupts good character, Braddy boy. That's what she called me. And she said, you just need a break and you need to have a fresh start. She said to me what Jesus said to that woman. He said, she said, you need to go. Leave your life of sin and step into a new one. God spoke through her, man. And in the intro to this song, she's the prophetess of Yahweh that I make reference to. And then the rest of the song is just about how God called me out of the hellhole and into his grace. I hope it blesses you. I hope it rocks you up, man. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. I'm excited to share this with you. Here it is, Out of the Hellhole.
All right. Hey, man, thanks so much for hanging out with me on this podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it, and I hope it totally rocked you up for Jesus. As we wrap things up here, let me quickly say, if you dig what I'm doing, man, and you're blessed by the music, the podcast, the teaching videos, etc., and you want to support this ministry, this mission to reach classic metalheads for Jesus, I want to invite you to head over to my Patreon page and learn how you're just couple dollars a month will make a huge difference in this ministry. And also about some amazing exclusive benefits that you'll receive in exchange for your support. The link to my Patreon page will be at the very top of the show notes. So head over there, check it out, learn about it, pray about it. And whatever you decide, man, God bless you. And thanks for being part of the Pastor Brad Rocks family, man. Remember to like, share, subscribe, leave comments, all those things. That helps the show to grow. Really appreciate it. Stop by PastorBradRocks.net sometime. Over there, you can learn all about the ministry of the music. It's some free uh, music downloads, all kind of cool stuff. Also, if you're interested in following Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, best decision you'll ever, ever, ever make, promise bar none. You can learn about that over at PastorBradRocks.net as well, or leave a comment here. I'll get back with you. Shoot me an email at PastorBrad at AOL.com. Yes, I still use AOL. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Thanks for hanging out with me, man. Until next time, keep your eyes on Jesus. God bless you. Pastor Brad, out.